welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. Hi guys and welcome to episode 65 of the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. I am your host Belinda Risley and today I am joined by Darren Roberts from Impact Training Corporation. Darren is a product of Impact Training Corporation, having been trained by them in his own sales career. He has over 25 years of sales and leadership experience. Darren helps individuals and businesses maximize their income and success through the world-class sales, leadership and communication training. He's a passionate husband and father of two teenage kids. Today, guys, we're going to talk about the impact of sales and the relationship that it has with sponsorship. So without a doubt, there's lots of information um, and some tips and tricks that you're going to get today. So I'd highly recommend that you grab a pen and paper and take down some notes. Of course, all of the show notes um, are listed here on the Motorsport Coaching Podcast through iTunes, Spotify, or over on our website page, motivatetraining.com.au forward slash podcast. Um, as it is about sponsorship, guys, don't forget we do have a free um, motorsport sponsorship group on Facebook. Again, the link will be in the show notes if you want to join us. And we're also currently listed a free resource center. So there's some free um, checklists there when it comes to sponsorship. There's some other templates that you guys can simply download and start to implement within your own business. Um, we also have a sponsorship workshop coming up. This is a live workshop where we actually work with you of getting started. Um, quite often people don't know where to get started with sponsorship, who to contact, how to contact. These are the things that we go through in a two hour workshop. Um, again, live, we do it um, through Zoom. This will be happening on April the 4th. So head to um, the show notes for the link or otherwise over onto our main Facebook page at Motivate Training. And of course, guys, um, through this weird wide world that we're currently living in at the moment, we do have um, some online resources. We have the career development course, which teaches you through how to write um, establish your brand and work out your values, lots on sponsorships, social media, um, how to do your own public relations, how to get yourself out there, build up your brand, and then also meet some media training and tips. So again, those notes will be in the, uh, sorry, that link will be in today's notes. If not, head over to our website, motivatetraining.com.au. Let's get started with the show. So hi, Daryl, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. I'm very excited to have you as I am with all my guests. But today we're going to do something a little bit different that we haven't had here before on the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. And we're actually going to go into a little bit about sales. Now, what is the stigma around that word sales? Why do some people love it and some people hate it? What, what happened for, for it to have such a, a um, what's the word, the stigma around it? Yeah, I think it's uh, back to you know, what is often called the old school ways of selling. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes referred to as the used car salesperson, where the mindset is that someone's, if I'm going to win as a salesperson, the customer's got to lose. And I think that's the, it's the old school aggressive mindset. And sometimes I present that to a group that I'm training for the first time. And I might say, you know, put your hand up if you're a proud salesperson. And even people that are salespeople or business development managers or whatever their title is, don't put their hands up. But then I say, 
or put your hand up if you'd love to communicate with greater value, if you'd love to share your message and have greater followers. And of course, 100% of people put their hand up. And the reality is it's exactly the same thing. I'm sure you've heard us say effective selling is effective communication. So the new way of selling is not someone wins and someone loses. It's to create value and to create a win-win scenario. But sometimes that mindset of the old way of selling is still part of people's thought process. And so before we get a little bit further, tell us a little about you and how did you get started in sales and what do you love about it? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm a father and, and husband of uh, father of two, two teenage kids. I'm a husband of two teenage kids. Um, I'm from Adelaide, so still live in Adelaide, but travel all around Australia and uh, internationally presenting. I started in the fitness industry, so I was personal training, and then I fell in love with the sales and the leadership side of the fitness industry. So through then, and this is my sort of 26 years ago since then. Um, was selling memberships and personal training in the fitness industry, which led to leadership roles and group leadership roles and large leadership roles. Um, and part of that was with Impact Training Corporation. They trained me back in 2002 and I've used all their skills right through. And for the last seven years, I've been consulting with them. So now I consult to different industries, including the fitness industry, but uh, traditional industries as well. So I love the fact that it is effective communication. So if you can build connections with people, if you can adapt the way that you're communicating, depending on who you're communicating to, to create greater value, if you can be solutions focused and create positive outcomes for clients and, and people, well, that's a good human skill, not just the business skill. So that's what I love about it is that it includes some verbal communication it very much includes non-verbal communication like body language and behavioral styles and all those sort of things and includes a lot of psychology and personal development so the world of sales and business you know really brings all those things together fantastic so i'm just writing a thousand notes here so don't worry about me <laughs> um so you mentioned the word like effective communications what does that mean for you yeah so it, it means communicating in a manner where the person that's taking on the information or listening to the information receives that in a manner that they like to receive information in. Mm -hmm. So it's not just vomiting out your spiel yeah. <laughs> and doing it a hundred times a day. It's determining how does this person speak? Are they fast speak? Are they slow speak? Are they high tonality, low tonality? Do they have lots of hand gestures? Do they have no hand gestures? And finding that out and yeah. delivering your message in a manner that they take on the information as effectively as possible. And that creates that value. And the other part of, and the difference between the old school sales is just delivering a message and see who receives it. The way to do it is to make sure we're diagnosing a problem before prescribing a solution. So finding out what are the outcomes, what is the compelling reason the potential client, for instance, needs from you, what do they need help with, and then delivering uh, best practice, to match that. So it is very much solutions focused. So both of those are effective communication, delivering a message where they take it in with value and, and linking it to the outcomes that they're after. 
When you talk about communication styles, um, how can you know which is the best way to communicate with somebody? Um, obviously, we wanted to build rapport with this person, and here I am talking with my hands because that's what I do too. <laughs> For those that can't see me, um, but ha yeah, how how can you find out that information or work out someone's communication skills, um, skills or style? So, we're the distributors and trainers of DISC, the ISC yep. DISC behavioural styles, and so with DISC. You can do a online or a, a paper little assessment. Mm -hmm. And we all have four different behavioral styles in us, but the assessment or the worksheet will determine which ones are higher, which ones are lower, those sorts of things. So then, yeah, if it's in a workplace or in a motorsport team, then we can get all of our team members to do the written or the online test. And we know exactly who all of our teammates are like, and it helps us work together. We do a lot of work with sporting teams and footy teams and that sort of thing where that comes into place. So that's easy to do. We say, all right, I know this person is a, a C for cautious behavioral style. You know, I know that means that they talk a little bit slower. They love facts and figures and data and strategy. So there's always going to be a C person in the team. There will, always be, there will always be a C person in the team. There will, absolutely. And in motorsport, there's plenty of them. But if I'm not that behavioral style, if I'm, let's say, an I for an influencer, for instance, where I'm, you know, I don't like to plan. I just like to go by the, the seat of my pants. I like variety and don't want a structure. I'd hate to stick to a plan. Then I go, gee, if I'm going to communicate with this C behavioral style, I need to change the way that I communicate. For a short period of time, I might need to be a little bit more detailed. I might need to be a bit more planned or a bit more structured. So that, and vice versa. That's how it works when we can all do an assessment. But in real life, and that's the great thing about behavioural styles is it's a skill to take into not just work or career, but in, in human interaction. We pick it up firstly by the way people speak. Mm -hmm. So if you're a fast speaker, you speak faster than the average, you're more likely to be a D for dominant or an I for influence a behavioural style. And if you're slower speaking, maybe less tonality, you're more likely to be an S or a C. So C for cautious, S for steady. Now there's characteristics around all of this all of those behavioural styles that can determine how they like to take on information or how they make decisions. And then we know that as we continue to ask them a couple of questions and have a conversation, we can determine are they more task-focused or people-focused. So then once we work out left-hand side or right-hand side, largely by how quickly they speak and their tonality, then we can start to determine task or people-oriented and we can very quickly determine their primary behavioural style. So the primary behavioural style is how we connect and how we build rapport. So you can have people like you and trust you and feel comfortable with you by matching their primary behavioural style. But then if you want to help them make a decision, like take on your sponsorship or whatever the case might be, we need to relate that to a secondary behaviour. And that's how people make decisions. So that's how we use it in real life. And the skill comes when being able to meet someone quickly and determine that. But we can also do a bit of research. You know, if your drivers know who they're about to go and meet to talk about sponsorship, for instance, they can do a bit of research. There might be some videos online of that person they're about to meet. So they can you know, look at some of those videos or interviews and whatever and determine, is this person a fast speaker or a slow speaker? How much tonality do they use? Are they a hand gesture person or a not hand gesture person? <laughs> and they can almost rock up to that meeting and go, okay, for a short period of time, I'm going to be this version because that, I know that that's going to allow me to connect better with the person I'm trying to have a positive influence with. Mm -hmm. 
Fantastic. And we mentioned before um, you're saying about the psych, the behaviour side of things. And I know in that previous Facebook Live we did, we talked about the neurologistics about behaviour. Is mm. that something that competitors really should engage and learn more about? Or, you know, how far does it go about behaviour and actually, you know, getting someone to invest within you? Yes, I think two parts. I think they need to know it for themselves for peak performance, just for, the, for their driving performance. They need to know what do they do when they perform at their best? What are their habits? What was their, what was their mindset? What were they thinking? What was their warm-up routine? And maybe when they make a mistake or something goes wrong, was that different? Did they do something different? So they need to know their own neuro-linguistic neuro programming and what makes them tick to go, how do I put myself in the best peak performance state? Mm -hmm. In some sports... You can also pick up from the, your competitor if they're a bit out of line as well or if they're, you know, more prone to making a mistake. Difficult in motorsport with the helmets and all that sort of stuff, um, but certainly knowing their own behaviour is important. Secondly, yeah, you know, we, in our previous discussion, you know, we went down the path of saying that people like people like themselves and people will make positive decisions when they like and trust you. So if your drivers are going for trying to get a positive decision with sponsorship, then yeah, absolutely. They need to understand their own habits. How, what do my facial gestures look like when I talk? Do I have a habit word or noise that I make that is autonomous, which means I don't know I do it until I video myself and watch it back or someone gives me that feedback? What sort of hand gestures do I make? And then picking up on the person in front of them again, because people like people like themselves, does this person have the same similar gestures to me or do I need to slightly adapt the way in my hand gestures <laughs> to match that person? So yeah, that neuro-linguistic program is important, but also the neuro-linguistic program is very much about understanding your own mindset, having that self-awareness. Am I thinking positive thoughts or negative thoughts? And again, that can help us get in our visualization that can help us be in that peak performance state. Yeah, and you mentioned the word mindset and we're talking about NLP and I'll put some links up to the NLP as well as the DISC profile. So if people want to access it, um, it'll be in today's show notes. Um, but when it comes to mindset, I feel like a lot of the times that the motorsport athletes just think they just want to be a driver. And when it comes to gaining sponsorship, they know they need to do it, but it's something that they, they're not confident enough because really they, they don't know how to go about it. So my question here is around getting their mindset right. Um, yes, it is about getting a sale um, because that person is investing within themselves. But um, when it comes to sponsorship, like is the wording different or is it really just the same process of buying a product, like buying a, a T-shirt, that actual funnel of, of getting a sponsor on board? Yeah, so the process is very similar. The wording is also part of NLP. So the wording is matching the wording that the potential decision maker has. So the mistake that I see in motorsport sponsorship and sports sponsorship generally is that an athlete or a driver would say, hey, this is what I want out of it. This is the exposure you get as a sponsor. This is how much it costs, yes or no. But yeah. we've got to be able to... First, diagnose the problem. So discuss with the business owner, for instance, how's the business going? How long have you had it? 
what are you proud of? What challenges do you face at the moment? And that's, you know, there's got to be a level of connection and trust before you ask those questions. But then all your conversations is not about sponsoring my car or putting your signage on my race car or my race suit or my helmet. It's about how can I be a solution to your challenge? So if it's a business and you have that discussion, they say, gee, um, business has gone okay, but we, we're not getting enough leads or we're short of exposure. Then your conversation is, all right, this is what we can do to increase your exposure. This is what we can do to increase your leads. Not about this is sponsoring me. Yeah, cool. That's the outcome. But it's got to be all that communication has got to be directed in what is important to the decision maker. Yes. You might not care about that business. Now, obviously, we want aligned businesses and all that sort of thing. But you know, my, you know most people are, it's human nature, isn't it? We're more passionate about our own success than someone else's success. So you just might want sponsors so you don't have to think about it so you can go and drive and race wherever you want to race. But for that communication, if you want that person to make that decision, we need to be talking in a manner that is most important to them. So that's where the language changes. Yeah, and definitely like in the times of now, uh, this unknown period that the whole world is going through, I actually personally believe that um, once everything starts to get back rolling again, there's going to be lots of opportunity for sponsorship. And again, it comes down to that wording. I don't like the word sponsorship. Um, I personally prefer the word partnerships. But there's going to be a lot of small, medium, large businesses that are going to be looking for that brand awareness, that lead generation to try and get their ball rolling again. And it may not be financial support they can offer at this point of time. And I think people need to change their mindset to what that sponsorship offering may look like. Um, yes, there can be products and services, but they might change it to being a performance-based um, sponsorship or partnership. It, it could be um, a part payment throughout the year. Um, but I think people need to start thinking differently. But I do definitely think that as a marketing avenue, that people are going to be looking for different outlets to promote their business after the outcome of CB19. I totally agree. And I'll add to that with maybe not waiting till it is over. So your drivers right now aren't racing. They probably have more time than most to do some marketing and go and speak to business owners and those sorts of things. And the flip side of that is many business owners have a much greater demand to do things differently than they did even three days ago. Correct. And they're also potentially now are sitting at home just looking at emails. They're not actually doing their busyness day-to-day -day, um, you know, tasks that the business would require from them. So as far as trying to get their attention, um, again, if you can come across being quite unique, you are aligned with that business um, values and you can showcase and show clause that you are different and that you're actually wanting to help the business and not so much just get their name on their car, that exactly they right. give you a lot more value and a lot more attention right now. That's true. And that's the difference, Belinda. If you, we're just waiting for a signage on a car, well, the car needs to be on the track to get that exposure. But if that partnership means that you're promoting them on social media, you're doing videos from their business, whatever is appropriate, then you can promote them right now, which means they need to pay right now and they'll be getting those, those um, leads in and that extra exposure. So the opportunity is there right now for maybe your drivers to do what is less comfortable for them and they might have some extra time to do that because there's an increased demand 
for business people to get greater exposure and different types of exposure. You know, you might have a, a restaurant that they were trying to get sponsorship with or the restaurant can't serve anymore. Maybe they can do takeaway, which is an online service. So for them to partner with you, you to promote them to the local communities and that sort of stuff from a, a takeaway perspective might be exactly what they need right now. Yeah, and funnily enough, um, I actually just have some points here that I'm about to do a Facebook Live later tonight on the sponsorship page. So ironically, I'll go through as a few ideas. Um, of course, this this space of what the world is looking like, and especially Australia, if we're going down to lockdown, um, is changing every day. But give or take that some places are still open. Um, I was just putting some benefits and services that the drivers could potentially offer their sponsors right now. Um, so I've got things here like ring sponsors and ask, how can you help them? Just ring and ask the question. Um, maybe you could bring the, the card down for a show or advertise a meet and greet. Um, I don't think there's going to be many um, product or store launches at the moment, but definitely like you're saying with that home delivery, like how cool it would it be if like you're a supercar driver or a race car driver and you, you like got a home delivery from menu log um, from your sponsor of being, um, you know, Zambreros and or your local cafe. And then all of a sudden you've got like a driver at your job delivering that. So that would be pretty cool. Absolutely. Um, you could take over their social media accounts for a Q&A um, like at, at any time. You could maybe do a day, day in a life of what you're doing off track now, um, especially for those full-time drivers um, or those that are more professional. Um, so some of the conferences are going online. So if speaking is your thing, you may want to offer to do a talk um, at, at an online conference, so again, for your sponsors or something that's um, valued aligned with yourself. Um, what was I forgot? Um, you can give them content to use for their social media pages. Um, so whether it's product placements, where it's videos, um, I've got things here about writing up testimonials for them. So whether it's online, so Facebook reviews, Google My Business, on Menu Log, um, TripAdvisor, on their website. You know, depending on what industry their business is, find their main um, uh, testimonial requirements and ask them we'll ask them again um, where where can i place a product um a review for you or better still do a video um if you use that service like for personal training that's now non-existent when they come back up again um you know they will be wanting some sort of testimonial absolutely and there's heaps of stuff i've said if they aren't as busy as usual they could practice their media skills and possibly do a video interview with them about their business um, what they are, what they do, who do they serve, um, that both of you can use this as a content. It, and it could just be something like this that we're doing on Zoom today um, that people can't see. Um, but it also could be like a Facebook Live that the guys could use. There's heaps of stuff anyway that I'll put it on the Motorsport Sports page. Um, but anyway, that were just a few ideas. We, we started going down that thing, but there's things that... I've got about another 20 there. That we can I think there's two parts there. I think one is to look after your own partners that you currently have, sponsors <laughs> and that sort of thing that you already have. Because some of them will be looking at cutting costs. So you need to provide maximum value to them. And if that's going above and beyond like the things that you said, even above and beyond what you initially agreed to, then that will maintain their sponsorship largely. But it also gives you an opportunity when you go to new sponsors to say, look, here are some examples of things we do for our partners. Yes. And this is the exposure that they get for it, which of course is going to give you greater opportunity of people seeing value in what you do. Yeah, and exactly that's why one of the points we're saying is about um, promoting them on their social media pages, um, getting that cross promotion with their on like taking over their social media pages so they can see exactly what kind of value that you can bring in. And yeah. again, like 
getting those testimonials are beneficial, probably more so for the uh, motorsport competitor as well, because at the end of the day, that sponsor will therefore give that motorsport athlete a testimonial as well as what it's been like to work with them. And I always say to all the athletes, you know, when um, a partnership dissolves, that makes sure that you, like any business, you get a character reference. And at this case, you get a testimonial as well. So other sponsors can know what it's like to work with you, what kind of experience that you can offer and how you can go over and above. Absolutely. Totally agree. Now, we did mention about cold calling, Darren. So this that has that stigma again that goes with the sales thing. Um, what's your impression um, on cold calling? And do you think there's a place in it for um, sponsorship? Yes, there is. It's not ideal. There's plenty <laughs> of other ways to do it before doing that. But uh, if you're at the end of your tether and you haven't got any lead opportunities, then yes, you need to do. Um, you know, even in business, I encourage people not to cold call individuals, but I certainly encourage people to cold call businesses. So your drivers are going to businesses to get sponsorships. So absolutely. Now, the way to do that, because often you need to get through a gatekeeper, receptionist or wherever it might be, is to do some research. Find out the name of the decision maker. Don't just ring up and say, can I speak to the owner, please? Because it shows you don't know who that person is. So it might be a two-step process. You ring a receptionist, for instance, or if you can look them up online, even better, so you know that person's name, um, and say who you are, not what it's about. Um, but let's say Belinda answers the phone. We say, oh, hi, Belinda, it's Darren. I'm just uh, wanting to speak to Jeff, please, if we know that Jeff is the owner. So it sounds like there's some familiarity there. We're not lying to anyone, but it sounds like there's some familiarity there, which you're more likely to get through. Yeah. Or you might make it just a first phone call and say, oh, Belinda, can you tell me, um, I've just got a gift to send to your owner. Can you tell me what their name is? Then you get your name. Might be, then you might send them a message or a, an email introducing yourself. So I'm going to give you a call tomorrow. This is my number. Then when you're, then when you're in Belinda again, you say, Belinda, it's Darren. I'm just ringing to speak to Jeff. And the receptionist will say, was Jeff expecting your call? And you'll say, yes. Yes. Because you emailed Jeff yesterday saying, I'll give you a call today. So just these little small steps will help you to get through that process. Uh, but then it's a matter of very quickly, and maybe it's sometimes called an elevator pitch, but very quickly talking about what value you can bring to a business. And I, I remember I said in our previous conversation, uh, we said, pick an industry. And let's say we spoke at restaurants before, let's say it's restaurants in a certain area. And so when you get to speak to the decision maker, you say, listen, I understand that restaurants in the local area are going through a challenging time at the moment. I'm speaking to all the local restaurants to see who I can promote and who we can partner with to increase their sales. And I'd love to chat to you to do that. So they know you're going to speak to everyone, which means if they know, they also know if they say no to this meeting, you're going to go and speak to someone else. So it increases the likelihood of them wanting to speak to you. Yeah, and I even say that to the guys and girls when they're sending out their sponsorship proposal. I think I've learnt this from you many years ago, <laughs> that um, when they are sending out a proposal, just to also make sure they put a follow-up date and time on that as well. So especially if they are just sending it out, um, you know, blanket approach, because that's what they need to do at this point, um, that if they are gonna do that, that make sure that they've got that defined follow-up time and date written on the bottom of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think from a blanket approach, then even you tighten that blanket by picking on or focusing on industries for a period of time. All right, this week might be restaurants. Next week might be real estate. The next week might be such and such. And you focus on getting out in the local community with those niche markets for a set period of time because then you can literally say, I'm speaking to five or six of real estate agents in the local area. I'm going to choose one to work with to increase their house sales. Mm -hmm. And that also gives, you know, shows a bit of confidence that shows a bit, oh, we've got some value to provide. Someone is definitely going to want it, maybe more than one, but we're just going to align with one, one company to have this relationship. And so when it comes to sales slash sponsorship partnerships, uh, what is the first steps? I know, again, like a lot of the athletes um, just want to race, but unfortunately they do need sponsorship in order to go forward and to, and to climb the hierarchy of motorsports. So how do they get, kind of get started? And, and we know that motorsports is a business, so they have to plan it all the way out. So to, in order to make sure there's a start process of contacting someone to, to getting the sale, to gaining sponsorship, is there a general guideline that they need to follow or a process? There is, there is. So even before you contact, you need to determine what can you provide a, a partner? Mm -hmm. So if a sponsor or partner came on, what are the multitude of ways you can promote that business? How often will you be doing it? If it's, for instance, social media posts, videos, etc. how often would that take place? There's got to be some guidelines on that. Um, what cross-promotional opportunities are there? What partnerships with other sponsors can they all align with? Is it a drive day? Is it a box at one of the events, for instance? So you just brain dump all of the ways, obviously logos and media and, and um, events and all those sorts of things. And you just brain dump all of the things you potentially can do for a sponsor or a partner and put a value on it. That's mm -hmm. valued at $10,000, whatever the value you come up with. And if it includes TV opportunities, then you know, put those in there. Then it's a matter of putting that together just on a, you know, an A4 one pager with a total value. Next step is to go, who are the businesses that would align to that? Who are the businesses that would align to motorsport? Who are the businesses that their clientele watch motorsport, come to motorsport, etc so they're going to be the most excited so they're the first two steps then there's an eight-step process to the sales process or the sponsorship process and the first is prospecting so getting out there and having these conversations putting time aside to set up appointments and to go and see people so knowing what sort of activity do they need to do on a weekly basis to get to the first race of the season having all that sponsorship lined up and having the income coming through then as you meet people, it's that initial conversation, first impressions, two to five seconds to make a first impression. Those first impressions are lasting. So what do I need to wear to make a good first impression? What sort of person am I going to speak to? Are they a CEO or are they a personal trainer? How do they dress? How should I turn up? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, all those skills we just spoke about. How do I build rapport? How do I get people to trust me? How do I build a connection? People buy when they trust and like you and people like people like themselves. Once you have that, you've got to diagnose the problem. We call it qualification. So getting permission to ask some questions about their business or the situation 
what's going well, what challenges that they are facing at the moment, what would they like fixed? We know that emotions are 100% of decision-making, but avoiding a negative emotion is the greatest motivator for a quick decision. So once you know all that, then you can start talking about what you do. Mm -hmm. But it's got to be a logical to emotional. We call it a red to green, red brain logical, green brain emotion, a red to green conversation. All right, well, if I was to help you with that, whatever emotion was, here's some examples of ways that we can do it. You might pull out a a it becomes a red to green conversation. Everything is explained in a manner that connects with the emotion of that person. But if we haven't diagnosed what that is, we can't describe the solution to match that. Then once that takes place, you do a presentation of your solution. Now that should be alternate choice. So there's two ways of going to sponsor. It might be a major package and a secondary package. It's not, do you want to sponsor me or not? Because <laughs> then we're more likely to get a no answer. Correct. Whereas we do alternate or triplicative choice, then their decision is more likely to be, which way do I go to have this partnership, not do I want to have this partnership? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we might need to overcome an objection if there's a bit of a delay. Then we finalise the decision and start servicing that situation. <laughs> the last step of that process is, to get a recommendation. Sometimes we call it referrals. So we say, great, well, given that you've seen so much value in what I can provide, who else do you know that's not a competitor to you that might also be interested in increasing their exposure? And that, that way the, the sales cycle or the sponsorship cycle continues rather than go, great, I've got a new partner, now I've got to go through the whole process again to find another one. Whereas if we can get, get in the process of getting recommendations, then that continues to flow through. And is that, do you have that in a course or do you teach that to someone? How can people find out more about that eight-step system and, and really get that honed in and ready for their business? Yeah, so we tailor, all the steps are the same, but we tailor obviously the language to each individual business or situation. Um, in our training, we do that as the first step of our sales training. We do a broad training over the eight steps of selling. Um, we call it the ABCs of selling. Uh, and then from there, we train on each of those individual steps to create some depth. So we do that with uh, entire companies. We do that with individuals called My Mentor Coaching. And we also do that online through Sales Authority Club, which is an online members-based training and then we have four face-to-face -face sessions a week so there's a whole whole <laughs> plethora of ways that we can provide yeah. that but you know, i was taught those eight steps way back in 2002 when i was trained by impact training and i've used well, them right I've them too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. i remember we used to do the dance eight steps dance um obviously things change over time and we we tweak it and tailor it but the actual steps themselves are exactly the same but what most people miss is the first three. Most people don't build trust. They don't build a connection. They don't know how many people they need to go and speak to to get where they wanna go. And they certainly don't diagnose a problem and spend the time finding out about the potential partner first. They just go in, hi, here I am. Here's my sponsorship package. Do you want it or not? No, thanks. All right, next one. And then they get, feel a bit of rejection. 
They don't want to go into the next phone call, the next place, because they're scared it's going to happen again and they give up on it. So those first three, in fact, the qualification, which is to find out all about the other person's needs first, that's 80% of the success of that sponsorship sales process. And it's what most people miss. So the good news for your crew is that when they do it, and there's a little communication sequence we teach that helps to do that, then they're going to be far away ahead of any other drivers and potential partners will see great value in being associated with them. And all of Darren's uh, links to those services will be in today's show notes. Uh, so either head over to iTunes, Spotify, or over to motivatetraining.com.au forward slash podcast, and you'll be able to click through and review all those services that Darren can offer. Before I let you go, Darren, um, I know one of the biggest um, things that we have is getting what do I do when I get no? Um, hmm. So the overcoming objections. Um, do you have any advice on what happens or what the process should be if someone hears the word no? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, it's funny, most people just give up. Correct. And I often use airline analogy for this. I spend plenty of time on flights, as many of your drivers would do. And the flight attendant, when they deliver the coffee, they ask 100% of people whether they like coffee. Would you like coffee? Would you like coffee? Would you like coffee? They don't say, oh, you look like you've had too much coffee. You, don't, you look like you don't like coffee. They don't say that. They just offer everyone. And if someone says yes, no, or are rude to them or not rude to them, they just continue on. I've never seen a flight attendant fall to the ground and go, oh, my goodness, this person said no to me. I'm never asking anyone for coffee again. <laughs> they just keep going. Coffee, 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 coffee. That's true which is the mindset first that we need and no is a no okay if it's a no we'll try and overcome it but if it's a no we just great learn from it move on to the next one we're closer to a yes response is there a difference between a soft no and a hard no there is there's an absolutely no i hate motorsport i never want to be associated with it uh to oh listen it sounds a bit expensive i want to think about it or i'm not sure if it's the right fit for me there's certainly different different no's there so firstly not to be afraid of it the second thing is to be open just to discussing it through mm -hmm. so you don't want to rush into a solution you want to acknowledge their response if it's yeah, i need to think about it or i'm not sure or it's a bit more expensive than um, i thought or i'm not sure if i'll get the, the results that i want from it then just acknowledge that repeat it back summarize what they've said and empathize with them listen i totally understand if you're going to make this decision to, to partner, then obviously you're going to want to be sure of the outcomes that you're after. But then we can use some strategies and, and the mindset is let's just see if we can talk it through. So you go back to what's important to them. You go back to the green race. Okay, well, listen, I know that you said that you do enjoy motorsport. You've had an interest in it before. You said that you, you know, your exposure is a little bit low and you want to do something to increase your exposure. So you go back to whatever was their compelling reason. And then we can use things like an if strategy, an if-then strategy, a hypothetical strategy. So if there was a way that I could give you greater confidence in the outcomes that we talk about will be our partnership. So it's a hypothetical question. Now, if they say, no, I don't care what you present to me, I'm not going to do it. And we say, all right, great talking to you. Hopefully we meet again. If I say, oh, yeah, well, if you can give me a bit of a 
more security that what you're talking about can take place, will take place, then yeah, I'd be absolutely. I just want a bit more security. Maybe they're a C behavioral style. But <laughs> they want those facts. And that means, all right, what do, you, what do you need to do? Do you need to go and get those testimonials? Do you need to introduce them to one of your current sponsors or partners that's getting great results? So it's not a no-no. It might just be and asking for that final decision. Mm-hmm. We also can use similar situation questions, like a feel, felt, found. Well, listen, I know exactly how you feel. I've had some other potential partners that have felt the same way. And what they found was when we got the partnership going that they even got greater value than they thought they would. Mm-hmm. So you need to have some success stories that you can talk about or testimonials as you suggest um, to do it. So really the answer is a conversation. Don't just give up on it. Just open it. All right, let's see if we can say yes to the hypothetical, then reclose, but make sure you deliver them. Fantastic. And the other question I had, sorry, just one more, uh, was um, obviously we have a lot of junior athletes um, and so the parents are doing a lot of the, the sales and the sponsorship process behind the scenes. Um, I always try and encourage the kids, obviously, to have the conversations with the potential sponsors as well. Um, do you think it's age-limited when it comes to sales or sponsorship um, development or if the parents can do it on their behalf when it comes to, to the kids? Oh, I, think it, I think ideally, it uh, depends on the age, um, that it's a team effort, absolutely. Now, I spoke to you previously, New Zealand to Gold Coast, and he was a New Zealand kid. 14 years of age, just won Formula 4 championship. I think the youngest driver to do that in New Zealand. I was talking to his mum on the plane. Liam fell asleep and she was talking about the struggles financially. But he was so impressive because he was a good communicator. He was passionate. He was respectful. So if I was a potential sponsor, I'd absolutely want to speak to Liam as well as his mum. He was only 14 at the time. Um, Because I can see what he can do in front of a camera. I can see what he can talk about um on social media so yeah i think the driver needs to be involved yeah so yeah i agree 100 percent. it is a team effort but i believe like he's keep saying that people um invest within people so regardless of their age they still need to be present um if not actually drive that that um process a little bit more so they they know exactly what's happening behind the scenes as well because at the end of the day that's who they're like that's who the sponsor is investing in so whether they're 8 18 28 38 um people want to know who they're investing within thanks very much for joining me today i feel like we could have had another whole episode to go down through sales automation what happens after you actually get a sponsor but where we could have another episode in a couple more weeks and go along those lines but i really appreciate you gave us lots of tips today um and again all of Darren's details, the information about the DISC, NLP training, um, Darren's courses will be in today's show notes. And of course, um, Darren's personal details from LinkedIn um, that you can connect with him. I'm no doubt you'd be happy to answer any questions. Absolutely. Very happy to do that. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much again, Darren, for joining us. And I'll speak to you soon. My pleasure. Thanks, Linda. 
Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Motorsport Coaching, subscribe and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate to T. Until next time, take care.